how do we sort of begin to protect the younger generation from the backside that they see and not just the highlight reel that appears online? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll come with a little bit of a contrarian answer. I'd say there is no protecting. I think if you try to protect, it might actually do more harm than good. When you look at like our own experience, there's always times where someone thinks that they need to give you advice and a lot of the time you're not ready for that advice. And so, and so you nod your head, you say yes in your mind, you're like, I don't even care what they're going to say for the rest of this conversation, but I'm just going to go off and do me. I'm going to touch the stove because they said don't touch the stove. I'm going to touch the stove. I don't know what they're talking about. And then you touch the stove and you don't want to tell other people that they were right but you know they were but now you know they were right and i think experience and getting to emotionally connect to the thing that's being talked about or the thing that's being scolded or the thing that's being elevated and uplifted for many of us is super important i think finding that connection is super important how do young men like us optimize our lives in a way that lets us achieve success and meaning come with me as i interview top performers and delve into key areas of life Habits, finance, psychology, health, relationships, work, creativity, and business. I boil the ocean of men's advice into usable wisdom in this podcast to give you the answers. My name is Blake Bottrell, and this is The Distilled Podcast. My guest today runs creator initiatives at Hashtag Paid a creator-focused company that helps connect digital superstars to 21st century marketers looking to reach the living rooms and bedside tables of millennials all around the world. He's the host of Creator Culture, a podcast dedicated to shining a light on underrated creators of all sizes that has featured the likes of Dan Toomey, Spencer Barbosa, Corporate Natalie, and Jack Cook. But maybe the most impressive feat of all was managing to escape the multi-level marketing scheme that claims so many good university students, Vector Marketing, and Cutco Knives. Danny DeSatnik, welcome to the show. One of the most, well, definitely the best intro that I've had. Um, and it, it's very reflective of some of those podcasts where they care so, like the intro is the thing that all the guests are really excited to ta- to listen to because they're like, oh, like what wordplay is the host going to come up with or what's that thing that the host is going to say? Because it's always like, all right, all right, you ready? Cool, I've got the intro, I've written it. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I think that's an element of, podcasts that don't get as much shine i think people love the nardwar moment like hey they're like tell me about like the time when you're like whoa what how did you know that but a fire intro a couple bars i very much appreciate it so we talked a little bit through a one of my favorite quotes by bo burnham that i like to reflect on given that uh influencers are now becoming the number one most wished for career path for gen z well how do we sort of begin to protect the younger generation from the backside that they see and not just the highlight reel that appears online? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll come with a little bit of a contrarian answer. I'd say there is no protecting. I think if you try to protect, it might actually do more harm than good. When you look at like our own experience, there's always times where someone thinks that they need to give you advice and a lot of the time you're not ready for that advice. And so, and so you nod your head, you say yes in your mind, you're like, I don't even care what they're going to say for the rest of this conversation, but 
I'm just going to go off and do me. I'm going to touch the stove because they said don't touch the stove. I'm going to touch the stove. I don't know what they're talking about. And then you touch the stove and you don't want to tell other people that they were right, but you know they were, but now you know they were right. And I think experience and getting to emotionally connect to the thing that's being talked about or the thing that's being scolded or the thing that's being elevated and uplifted for many of us is super important. I think finding that connection is super important. It's why some brands, some of the most powerful brands are highly emotive. It's because those brands help you as a consumer feel something. And so as unfortunate as it is, it's fortunate in some ways, right? With the, with the rise of social media and with the rise of it as a career, you get two things. You get the people that maybe wouldn't have had the voice or the opportunity or the right system or platform to showcase their stuff, to get to a point now where they really can either build the community or become that famous person or build that business. But in the same vein, you get people who are showcasing five minutes of their lives and maybe it's the best looking people or maybe it's the people who are, who are the funniest people and they're, they're showing something that we're all going to aspire to or really want. But the thing is, we're, you're only showing one three hundredth, one one thousandth, whatever of someone's day and someone's life. I think the thing is, there's so much out of, there's so much out there. It's either you build for or you build to solve the chaos, chaos or you build with the chaos in mind. And the way I, I like to think of it is I like to build with the chaos in mind or I like to operate with the chaos in mind. I'm looking at creators. I'm looking to support creators. I'm looking to uplift creators that I care for, that I believe are doing things in the right way that are going to push their space or their industry or the people that follow them are really going to inspire them and support them in the right way. And I think if you can do that, if you can find the people that you care for and uplift that message and get that message more exposure and that message more power, then I think you're doing a pretty good job. And so to answer your question directly, I think it's hard to steer these kids in the right direction. I think everyone has to go through their own path. But I think it's, again, if we can make noise with the things that we care most for, that we believe are the most valuable for society, that en masse might actually lead to a better outcome than to try, let's call it, solve the individual problem. And so in choosing to uplift those creators that have the better messages or not necessarily the better messages, but the, the ones that we want to choose to portray, to bring the good into the world. How do these influencers and creators sort of view the impact that, that they're having through the lens of their platform? And I can relate this to a video that I saw recently from Hank Green talking about the uh, pharma companies that he was able to back off patent extensions using his platform and some of his followers to help life-saving life tuberculosis medicines become more widely available over the next decade or so. Um, so as you're having those conversations and, and talking to those creators, um, is, that, is that messaging coming through and do they understand the people that they're reaching? They definitely understand the people they're reaching. And when I say they, I mean like the creators that I look to empower, the creators that I really feel impact, impacted by or passionate about. I really think they do. I think you're able to see comments, you're able to see DMs, and then sometimes some of these creators that I know are doing things in person or holding in-person meetups or putting on creator camps or putting on whatever they're doing. And so you definitely can feel it. 
I think one of the best examples I can find on that is I went to this thing called Creator Camp and call of it call it like a 50 person creator summit it happened out in utah earlier this year in march and one of the nights they got two or three of the creators to premiere a youtube video that they had coming out that wasn't out yet now there's only like 50 of us in the room and they premiere the video video was great you can tell a lot of thoughtful a lot of thoughtfulness a lot of intention into whatever that message or whatever that journey is that they were trying to share through cinema and after it, everyone went crazy. 50 people went crazy, like screaming, clapping, like going up to them, telling them what they love, telling them how great of a, a video it was, telling them how, how brave it was, whatever that feeling was that ensued once you watched that video. And that was 50 people. And not to say we were, we were their followers, but that feeling you could tell when they spoke after meant the world to them. And so I think the reason I bring this up is because I think it, it depends on the type of creator that you are. If you're a creator that, again, is just trying to make people laugh or you're more of like a meme and you're doing some stupid shit or you're just showing your outfit every day, will you really think about the people on the other side? I don't know. I Probably not as much as maybe some others, but a lot of the creators that I like to back or I like to support or I'm really passionate about drive with such purpose. Like there's a, a real focus on who's that other person on the other side of the screen that I'm making this video for. And so while I think influence is, it, let's call it inflated today because of this algorithmic world and 100,000, 500,000 followers mean absolutely nothing in your name, image, and likeness and how you impact others, the creators that I look to support and the creators that create with purpose, regardless if I know them or not, I think are better often are, are thinking more they're more thoughtful, should I say, about who's that person that's probably going to watch this and what is it that they're going to either feel or what is it that's going to help it, it's going to help them do or what is it that or what is that action that they're going to take um, once they watch the video. And so some yes, um, I think I like to turn a blind eye to the people that will say no, but I, I would say some yes, especially because there's that, that, that automatic feedback that happens. Is there any insight there as far as creator persona versus authentic self goes in terms of the amount of impact you're able to have, not necessarily um, through the filter of good or bad per se, but is it uh, easier to come off and be more authentic to the purpose the reason I'm going back and forth on this is because there's sometimes uh, helpfulness in playing a character in bringing out uh, someone that you really care about from an anonymity perspective um, that you wouldn't necessarily be able to, to, or a message that you wouldn't necessarily be able to create through your authentic self. Is is there room for that? Or are we feeling as though the authentic self is sort of the truest form of that expression i'd say there's room for both and, and there's always going to be room for both i think you look way before social media existed and hollywood hollywood's exactly that it's the brain of someone of a writer a director a showrunner whatever it may be and they came up with the story and now they're looking for the right people to play those characters and they don't give a shit really who those individuals are in terms of their humanity and maybe their ethics maybe sometimes they do maybe they don't but it's can you play 
And can you build, bring this person to life that I envisioned or these writers envisioned when they're writing it? And that's driven millions of dollars and that's driven so much impact over all of these films. I'm th- sure you can think of a film or a show or an, anima- or an animated show that meant a lot to you or impacted you, whether it, ta- whether it taught you lessons or it was something that helped you with your humor or whatever it may be, or gave you some release and gave you, some, um, g- gave you an escape. And I think in a similar way, there's for sure room on social media. I think it's why I don't believe, or it's why I believe that virtual influencers, these like V influencers, I actually think there's a lot of room for them. I think it's going to be a big industry. We love animated shows. So someone could have very easily said like, oh, but it's not human. Like, how are you connecting to this thing? It's like, well, there's proof in the pudding. And so you bring up a good question. I think the question isn't so much about, is it a character or is it, or is it your authentic self as much as it's, are you authentic to what you want to do? Like if you're authentic to wanting to showcase your life and yourself and go through the traumas with other people and the, and the highs and lows. Cool. If you're someone that loves pranking people and making other people like feel like shit and feel embarrassed in the middle of a city center, but like it brings you joy, then that's your authentic self. If you're just chasing views and chasing the next high, like a Sasha Baron Cohen was going with Borat and Ali G like go at it. There's, there's room for that. And, and in that authenticity, you're getting either a character, you're getting someone's true self. And I think there's, there's 8 billion, 8 billion people in the world. And that's called maybe half of access to TV or computers or whatever that is. So 4 billion people are going to be watching stuff like this. And so I think there's always going to be room on both sides. Yet, as long as you are authentic to who you are, and I'm sure some people will scold at this and be like, well, what if the authenticity is something negative and horrible and mean and destructive? They were going to do it anyway. And And social media is free. And so again, it's like there's people that are going to want to see it. And maybe there are people that want to feel reflective in their life. They want something that's reflective of that. They just don't feel like they're the person to do it, but they see someone doing it. And it's like, that's the community I want to be a part of. That's the community I connect to. And so whether good nor bad, social media is out here as it is. And it's making the positive and it's making the negative noise that it is. And so you play a character, you can do a lot of good. You can do a lot of bad. You play your authentic self as just who you actually are and giving all of who you are to the world. You can do good, like many people, like a Hank Green, you can do bad, maybe sometimes like a Kanye West. Sort of building off of this, you had one of the episodes of Creator Culture, and it sort of features this roundtable from one of your events a little while back, and almost all of the successful people that I talk to eventually arrive at this sort of mentorship mindset, and... I'm filling this in because one of the guests mentions creating content to give back to the audience like we're talking about. And my uncle is a Grammy Grammy winning record producer. I don't mention that to like brag at all. I just mention it for the context of his favorite part about any of the music that he gets to create is specifically when an artist will come up to him afterwards and tell him, hey, I learned something new because I worked with you, or I'm a better musician because we did this thing together. And in talking to like all the most successful people I know, they always arrive at that mentorship mindset. It's why I sort of created the newsletter, this podcast. Do you think about that for yourself when you're um, working with all these creators and um, 
trying to make sure that the uh, messages and, and when they're able to collaborate with these brands, the it comes across as a way that's, this is a really stupid and convoluted question, but like, of course you don't want to push that bad side of things. How much of that goes into the mentorship side or the building up the audience side of things? Yeah, no, I think it is a really good question. I think it's to your point Yeah, you, a lot of the time, or I'm not going to say a lot of the time. I think one of the most valuable arcs to someone's life is the exploration, the mastery, and then the redemptive side where all you've done is now you're giving back and that thing is what fuels you, i.e. being a teacher, being a professor, being your uncle. I think you said your uncle, like being your uncle or being someone else who really enjoys giving back. I think that giving back element is because you've experienced such pain yourself. You've experienced the hardships yourself that you're like, oh, I can probably say something to someone or help someone in some way that can skip supposedly the unnecessary steps. I think when you look at creators and how they work with with brands or maybe how they look at working with their audience, I don't think many are so redemptive in that way outside of education. Like if you put the education realm to the side, I don't think many are so redemptive in what they're trying to do and saying like, oh, I want to give back to the person on the other side of the screen. I think when you find those people, what happens is when they work with brands, you notice the performance will do really well. You notice that the audience will accept that brand as, oh, you are a brand supporting and now you're part of the ecosystem of this person that I really look up to or the person that gives me so much in my day, whether again, it's a comedic relief or it's something that teaches me something. The creator that you were speaking about, his name is Carlos Juco and him and his friend, oh, I, I guess him and his, uh, his co-host Gavin, they run a great podcast and they're based out of Toronto. It's called the Jumpers Jump Podcast. And that's what they look to do. Um, and it's really cool to see the way that they'll bring through different theories. And whether you think the theory is stupid, right, wrong, it doesn't matter. Like their whole idea is how do we help other people think in ways that maybe aren't as conducive to this society that we live in. And some people will see that as negative. Some people will see that as positive. But that's the purpose that they run with. And so I know when they deal with different guests or they de deal more, say, or more, should I say, with different brand partnerships, the, like the, the people respond to them and they're, they're standing for something. And again, that's, you can see something standing for something in that way is negative or positive, but they're standing for something. And so to bring it back, the, the mentorship element of, I really want to help the person on the other side, i.e. the audience is going to make whatever that partnership that comes from the outside, a brand institution, another creator stronger because that audience means so much. And I think, as, I re as it relates to myself, th there is something amazing and there, there is something super fulfilling about working with someone, um, in this case, creators, and, and helping them get to a place that they've wanted to get to or helping shepherd them in a way that you're like, oh, well, you didn't see that creator, but I, have a, I see something for you and I'm going to present it to you. And if you're interested, I'm going to help you get there. I think there's nothing better. And that's probably why being a parent can be some of the most rewarding times of your life because you're seeing this thing go from maybe being an extreme dependent to that who's independent to then them helping and impacting the world in some way. So I'll, I'll take it back to depends on the person. It depends on the intention, but when the person and the intention is there and that mentorship or that value is given, 
um, all parties, whoever enters the world that they build is always really, really impacted. What's the most important meta skill for a creator to have? Clarify something for me. When you say meta skill, you mean like a skill that helps you build other skills? Yeah, networking, emotional intelligence, something of that nature. I'd say the, I'd say the most important skill that a creator should have. And maybe this isn't maybe this isn't a meta maybe this is a meta skill or like teetering on a meta skill, but is playing a long-term game. I think it, we live in this world where there's instant success and there's always metrics and there's always things that can show you you're up or you're down. But in a similar way to investing, it's like a lot of the people that invest, you don't, you don't look at the market every day. Like you're like, oh, I'm investing in Blake because Blake Inc., I believe in the next 10 years is going to do X and I'm just, I'm there and it's going to sit there. And that's where my, my belief is where, the, where it's going. My belief isn't the small little movements every single day. And I think a creator that can have that long-term vision allows them to, I think, be a lot more stable depending on if, if platforms change, if algorithms change, if the meta in the, in the creator space changes, if, the, if something becomes more popular than others, that changes. There's the belief that it doesn't matter what I'm doing, what's happening around me, what I'm doing today, what I'm doing in six months, what I'm going to hope to do in two, three years is going to get me to that five years, is going to get me to that 10 years. I actually just read a really interesting article where I was talking about how Pharrell was speaking with Jay-Z and Pharrell was asking Jay, he's like, man, like, how did you, how did you feel or how did you go about it when grunge coming out of Seattle was, re- was supposedly taking over hip hop? It was becoming the popular sound. And Jay says something to the effect of, he's like, I leaned into it. I, I had the utmost belief in hip hop. I knew that hip hop is where I was going to be, where I belong, where I want to be. I believe that hip hop was going to continue to have its moment. Right now, grunge had its moment, and I kind of I sat in it. I like I leaned into it. I learned it. I, I got I got inspired by it. But the belief was that hip hop was going to transpire. That hip hop was going to continue to go. And so I could I didn't have to be so worried. I didn't have to act so irrationally. And so I think the the question you asked again, whether meta skill or not, but it's that long term vision to say that what's impacting me today, what's going to happen tomorrow, what someone's going to show or what's going to pop up in my world tomorrow, if it doesn't align and it doesn't really benefit me in this five, 10 years of where I want to go, I might know, not know exactly, but this idea of something that I want, not many other things don't matter. And one way to win is to just outlive and outplay someone else. And so I, I think that would be one of the greatest skills maybe meta-ish skills that I've noticed. I'm for sure counting that. So then it it comes down to a preservation of reputation or preservation of brand from that aspect then, right? Gary Vee talks about his like jab, 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 right hook, or Hormozy talks about uh, delaying the the sale as long as you can and and doing everything you can to um, just sort of continue to, like you said, build that audience for the long haul. As brands uh, sort of look to work with all these creators who are playing these long-term games, have you noticed a shift in the amount of creative freedom that brands are starting to give to influencers now and these creators now? Or are people really still trying to stick to their brand guidelines in 2023? Brands are always going to want to stick to their brand guidelines. For the like large part, they're always going to want to stick to their brand guidelines. It doesn't matter 
who they're working. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the, the channel. It doesn't really matter the medium. I think where it's, you start to distinguish and you start to, you start to see this, this change or this, um, this teetering of the creator really getting the creative freedom is when they have like true brand, when they have true name image likeness to their handle or to their name. Because in that way, the brand's working with them purely because of them. It's not like, yes, they have the audience, which is also why they're working with them, but it's, I'm, I'm deciding to work with Blake because I believe that we align with Blake and what Blake does for his audience, we're there. On the other hand, I think the large majority of creators don't really have name image likeness, but they might have an audience that the brand wants to get to. And so the brand's going to say, no, I will pay you to do X, but get us in front of your audience by saying this or doing X. The other way that this creative freedom comes about, and again, it's trust on both sides. Like there needs to be multiple reps. There has to be time spent. There has to be many projects worked on so that both sides feel really comfortable to say, we trust each other. Let's make some magic happen. And I think that's what happens over a long-term deal or over a long-term partnership where it's like you do one deal and then you do two and then maybe you do three and then they, like you both like each other and you both know where each other is going. So then you say, cool, let's do like a three-term, a three-deal um, contract or, oh, let's do a six-month contract, a full year. And in that way, some of the best creators, but more than just the best creators, some of the best managers will go, okay, we've built such trust with brand Apple. Well, actually, no, Apple's not a good example because Apple never does anything. But like, we built such um, such brand with, let's say, Shopify, and over and over, we've shown good results, and like their community loves us, and we love them, and we work well together, and et cetera, et cetera. Hey, we really want to get on stage. We want to, me as creator or me as manager of brand or talent, we want to get them to the next level outside of social media. We want them to be, we want them to be seen as as a figurehead, as a true thought leader in their space. We want to get them on stage oh, Shopify probably has conferences or they go to conferences, they speak on conferences. Can we use our partnership and let them know, hey, this is the next thing we want to work on. Is there a way to do this together? And I think when you get to that point over a longer period of time, a year, two, three, four years, you can get to things that are really interesting where the creative freedom is a little bit different and maybe a little bit more fluid where the brand partnership isn't the typical, hey, I'm going to pay you for this and you're just going to post that. And the best example, well, some of the best examples are Shopify. Like what Shopify is doing with Mr. Beast right now is unbelievable. Yes, Mr. Beast is the biggest creator in the world. And so when you work with him, like he dictates terms, like you don't dictate terms. But now they're doing things like, hey, we're not going to sponsor we're not going to get Jimmy to shout out Shopify in his next video. Y you as an entrepreneur in our Shopify community, pitch yourself to Jimmy and Jimmy will take one of your businesses and give it airtime, give it an ad space. Like that's super unique. That's super new. I'm sure there's things Jimmy wants to do that benefit from that. There's things that obviously benefit Shopify from that, but you're only getting that because they've worked together for the past year and a half, two years. And there's just such belief in each other, regardless of the operations around it, that it will happen. But I, I'd go back to saying that, no, large majority, there isn't really such creative freedom until trust is built or, hey, I'm, I'm running a celebrity endorsement deal with you, Blake, and here's what we're doing. And you're like, no, well, it, this is my brand and this is what we're going to do. And you as a brand go, cool, as long as we can be associated with you doing your thing. Best example, Kanye, Adidas, and Yeezy back in the day. Kanye did whatever the fuck he did, but it was all under Adidas powered it. It was kind of aligned in a certain way. And that's amazing, but that's because he was Kanye and he had a vision and Adidas was like, oh, we align with this value. We align, align with where you're going. We want to be a part of this. 
cool, we'll let you do your thing. But it doesn't happen so often. You might have just inadvertently made the best uh, case for brand guidelines of all time. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, 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 I would have, if I was in that position, if, if I was in, his name is John Wexler. John Wexler was the guy at Adidas who brought, Adi who brought Kanye through and made that whole thing happen or was a core part in making that happen. If I was John Wexler back in that day with the information that we had, I would have done it 10 times over. I think it was one of the best brand celebrity products and plays ever. It was unfortunate that he has his mental health issues or whatever he, he does, but it was unfortunate that what happened happened. But yes, brand guidelines are important, <laughs> but magic only happens outside of guidelines as well. And the, the sort of other avenue that is a little bit tangential to that is the sort of rise in creator businesses, obviously you mentioned Jimmy and, and he's got feastables. I know you guys, uh, have your creator bodega where you bring in a bunch of, uh, creator brands and stuff like that. Um, it's wild. Mr. Beast, uh, mentioned on Colin Samir a couple of weeks ago that he literally cannot charge enough for the ad space that would be uh, available on his videos. So like he has no other option, but to create his own product to attempt to market it at fair value. And, um, I know David Senra who, uh, does the founders podcast mentioned that in the next year, you're like not going to be able to buy ad space on his podcast anymore because he's just going to start like all of his own brands. And like, I saw prime in Costco for the first time this morning. Is it, sort of an inevitability that we see brands, uh, even if they're not necessarily a, a creator first brand latch onto digital creators as sort of a spokesperson, I'll say, uh, versus a typical celebrity, or are we going to see the compete and sales execs with sort of more entrenched traditional business acumen, um, eventually out competing these sort of creator businesses at scale because it's really hard to run um a traditional business while also trying to be a full-time creator no such a good question and i think we you're right we are at a really interesting a really interesting spot um it was interesting when when jimmy said that on colin and samir and interesting about david and and how other people are viewing this creator space or, or viewing attaching themselves to a creator i think there's a couple things or when i say attaching themselves i mean as a business or helping these creators build a business there's a couple things that will always hold true no matter if we're pre-influencer world in this influencer world who knows where we're going to be in 30 years and whatever that's going to be called to run a good business and to make money you it's fundamentals it's like you need a great operator a great team you need to understand to understand your marketing and really understand your ops and your cost of goods and all this good stuff and what was a hype cycle was a lot of these creators thinking cool i can sell a brand or create a brand off the back of my name and, and what i've done in my popularity and let's either partner with another company or try to do it ourselves or whatever it is and whether it's food or clothing or whatever the thing is when you're a fan of someone you usually buy it once maybe you buy it twice but you're not buying for the function you're buying because it's the the blake food whatever but then it gets to a point where it needs to be functional if, if the clothing sucks, if the chocolate sucks, you're not going to do it anymore just because it's Blake. You're going you're gonna, to, well, this doesn't taste good. I need something else. And so a lot of these businesses were built on the, whoa, tons of success. Oh, they can all get into Sephora because, yeah, they have the name and they have the distribution and then, and then, and then, and the projections and long-term value, blah, 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 whatever. But you get past that, like, 
uniqueness of I'm buying this because I'm a fan of X and it gets to the, well, now we have to sell it as a functional product beyond just our, our audience and even for our audience, but we, we want multiple purchases. And that's where everything started to falter is because they weren't built properly. It was built purely off the backs of these so-called influencers. And there's a couple things to it. I think the brands that are built properly, like alongside the creator, they know the creator's role and the creator, let's call it as in Prime's example, they are the marketing budget and they are the distribution and everything else is run properly by, I think it's a brand called, or it's a company called Congo Brands who actually operates, who, who operates Prime. It's going to succeed if the fundamentals are there and the economics are there, because now you have this viral thing that will always stay at the middle and will always spur activity and always show branding and always get you all over the internet, but you have this strong fundamental business. The same thing to your point about Feastables and Jimmy. Yeah, some people are like, ah, it doesn't taste amazing, whatever it may be. He's playing the long game. I think this guy's going to be like the next Elon. That's what he wants. He wants to be the next Elon, and he's showing he can do whatever the hell he wants. But it's showing that there needs to be fundamentals, and then if it's attached to a creator and the creator's role is done correctly, it's fucking fantastic. It's exit fuel. But I think the other thing that people need to realize is that when you're building a brand off of a creator or off of a celebrity, right? It's like, which one's better? Which, one, which one's going to work better? The creator can move a message much faster than the so-called celebrity because the celebrity's got to get their team to shoot the thing and video the thing and find the thing, whatever, and then post it. The creator can just, they know, they know what they're doing. They know what they're going to shoot. The difference, though, is that if it doesn't relate to who the creator is, if the creator's not using it all the time in, in their content, if they don't have real name image likeness to who they are, it's not really going to work long term. The celebrity, although, is someone who builds their prominence outside of social media or maybe in conjunction with social media, but what they're known for are the things that are in limited supply, being an actor, being an athlete, being a spokesperson, whatever maybe. Not everyone in the world can just jump on playing a basketball, like on a basketball court and be like, oh, now I'm an athlete, like they can being on social media where you just jump on social media and you're like, oh, now I have 100,000 views because I said something stupid a couple of times. And so I think therein kind of lies the, the path forward of needs to be fundamentally strong. It needs to depend on what the creator's role is in the business. Does it actually align with what they're doing, who they are, what they care for? And three, does that creator really have influence? Do they really have name, image, likeness? And maybe they're not the right person or maybe they're the right person to start because they have the distribution that's quicker. There's no time lag compared to the celebrity, but maybe the celebrity is the person that people really believe in and really look to and you attach their name later on. Um, so interesting time. I just think that the hype cycle of just because creator has audience has passed. And now to your point, there needs to be strong fundamentals, but when the creator is attached in the right way, you can see like a prime, like a feastables, even like Epic gardening. I don't know if you know Epic gardening, but like, unbelievable businesses that are doing millions and millions and millions of dollars properly, not just purely off of hype. Yeah. And there's, I think there's an alignment thing there where the celebrity versus uh, traditional digital creator, there's something different about seeing someone uh, in a movie versus seeing someone in their kitchen and using whatever this product is. Um, so to your point, I think, there's definitely opportunity to reach sort of that exit velocity faster with a 
digital creator versus a celebrity, but there's not necessarily any um, final or, or um, any long-term advantage necessarily of uh, picking one over the other. I think that was well said. Again, it, it's interesting, and it's it's all in marketing, and, and I know you know this because you're a marketer, Like it's always an exercise of we have X dollars that we've decided we can spend to get our brand out, to get our message out, to get more people interested or aware of who we are. What is the best way to do this? Is it putting it in Minecraft? Is it putting it in a creator? Is it putting it on a billboard? Is it digital? Is it still TV? Is it flyers? I don't think there's a right or wrong way. The thing that's incredible is when there is the creator who has that distribution that can put out a video immediately or you know a million people are going to watch that video and they find an interesting way of kind of bridging in that world of whatever that thing is or they have a podcast even like Logan and he's always drinking Prime and Prime's always there and so whenever people are watching it he can all or someone comes on he can be like hey Mike Tyson have you tried Prime and he's like no what's Prime and you're like all right cool Mike Tyson is talking about Prime. like what a moment that's a that's a quick moment or to, uh, uh, Logan's fighting Dylan Dennis whatever the hell that guy's name is and he's just holding prime as he's barking at Dylan Dennis and that whole thing's happening oh he's getting so many impressions he's getting so much visibility like you can't do that really as a celebrity you can't do that anywhere else even if you pay 10 million dollars to get on every digital platform these are moments that these creators can create and so to your point there definitely is something a little different between celebrity and creator but when paired correctly again to your point it's uh it's exciting to see what can happen What's been more entertaining to watch the near implosion of the Toronto Blue Jays or the near implosion of Logan Paul's engagement? Well, I can say that I care about sports more than I care about <laughs> Logan Paul. I can say that I'm actually more impressed with Logan Paul than I am with any single singular baseball team, maybe outside of a player in Shohei Otani. Um, great question. Um, I think that there is that there's also something so like so magnetic about a downfall like a rise is as magnetic as a downfall especially when the downfall is deep and i'm not saying i wish for any downfall of a sports team or for or, or for logan paul and everyone's and he's shown time and time again it doesn't matter what downfall it is he's going to be 10 times stronger in the future i hate I, I hate any gossip i hate that celebrity drama bullshit that that thing to me means nothing um baseball used to mean a lot to me now it's not really, but watching uh, watching the Jays lose four games to the Rangers at home when they're in a wild card race, uh, where you have the team that you know can at least win two games that have shown that they can come back and play some good baseball, is is tough. <laughs> it's tough to watch. Uh, it was not a fun series to watch this week. Um, <laughs> if you had to create a a Pokemon style lineup uh, to battle against uh, some other talent managers. You're picking six independent creators with a max of a million followers. Who are you picking? I would go Tim Chisano, who is a 45 or now 46-year-old ad agency exec who creates on the side. Um, there's no one like him. He's creating content, daily vlogs, but you've never seen anything like it. It's super unique to who he is. He cares about helping people through their corporate journey as much as he cares about his diligence of, his, of waking up at 4 a.m. as much as he cares about his family, as much as he cares about his sneakers and his Supreme. And so one of one, you will not find anyone like him in a while or maybe ever. Um, so definitely, and he's an unbelievable human. So Tim Chisano is one. Uh, the second would be um, a 20-year-old named Max Reisinger. Max Reisinger 
is someone who has seemingly the somehow perspective of a 40 year old who's run a bunch of businesses and done a bunch of and gone about a, a bunch of productions as along with the creativity and the artistry of someone brilliant as well as the luck of finding his people really early that he surrounds himself with that will all of them together will do some insane shit in five, 10, 15 years. And so that convergence is, uh, is amazing to see. Um, well, not, now I got to dig. This is really good. This is a fun question. Now I got to dig. Who else? Um, I would say there's a girl named Georgia. I think her name is Georgia Costello. She's a creator meets founder out of Vancouver. She runs a brand called Strawberry Milk Mob. Um, oh, you know what, though? I think she has over a million followers on Strawberry Milk Mob. Anyway, I'll say it anyway, but I, I am breaking the rules a little bit. I think she maybe is 1.4, we'll 1.5. Um, you've never seen someone who so organically builds up their own presence as well as building up their own brand but doing it seamlessly where not every where i'd say one in every six seven videos are about her brand and everything else she's building up herself she also has two sisters or three sisters that are in and around her life and it almost feels like a, a, a canadian up-and-coming kardashian family i don't know if her mom is like chris jenner but anyway <laughs> she's she, she's just she has a very unique personality and is selling something amazing in her bikinis which are called which is the brand of strawberry milk mob um and so doing something so so cool there um those three wow who else who else who else who else have i wanted on my podcast that i haven't been able to get on um oh i really like really like this person um based out of new york her name's emma rogue she runs, I think it's called Rogue Arms. And Rogue Arms is, it's like a vintage resale shop. But she's built such culture around it. You can tell she's an unbelievable curator of items and of fashion. And I think in a world where I've never met her, never had a conversation with her. A lot of her videos aren't really her to the camera. It's either her interviewing other people about their clothes or just showcasing what's in her store. But I think it's the curators over the next five years, because we have so much creation. I think it's the curators over the next five years that are really going to hold a lot of power. And so doing that, uh, and I don't think she has a mill. I hope not, but I don't think she has a mill. Uh, but that curation element is is unbelievable. And then, oh man, now I got to pick. I think I got to pick a final one. I don't even know where my mind's at on this. <laughs> think sports science um i will go with hmm, i want to go with a social good creator but i can't think of a social good creator under a million the reason i want to go with a social good creator is because i think the social good creator is essentially just a philanthropist who has the ability that when they start their own foundation, they have their distribution, they have their marketing. And so compare that to any other not-for-profit that has to spend a ton of money on marketing, it's over. Like that, whoever, whoever's going to build that will, or whoever's going to be that person or those couple of people, it, it, it is going to be over. But all the three that I can think of in Jesus Morales, Hunter Prosper, and Zach Dirianowski are all way above a million. 
It's um, a great question. And then I was thinking sports because I think, again, there's a guy like Kenny Beecham. He, he, has, he has over a million. Um, but Kenny Beecham is going to be a guy that revolutionizes sports media or already has maybe. I'll shut up there. But anyway, <laughs> like I think it like like Tim Tim just let's see who did I say Tim Chisato, Max Reisinger, Reisinger, um, Emma Rogue, uh, Georgia. I think her name is Georgia Costello. Strawberry Milk Mob. And if I were to pick fifth, I'm trying to think of something that's obscure. I don't know. Great question though. Sounds like a solid list to me. If you're. Uh... Your little cousin comes up to you and says, "Hey, Danny, I want to be a creator or an influencer. Who's whose journey are you telling him to study?" I would say, hmm, let's say there's probably there's probably a couple. I would say one, it would be a guy named Caleb Simpson, who does like he's New Age MTV Cribs. He does these house tours of some of the greatest people. Recently, heard him on a podcast. He he was someone that I was trying to get on, he just couldn't find a date, and then he blew up, and now he has so much opportunity that of course you're not going to come on creator culture um i think what's so interesting about so, someone like him is this is someone who has been creating for five six years and has always been scheming and felt lows and felt highs and only now is it like oh it's really cracking but i think there's such perspective um yet there's a lot of humility and there's a lot of strategy around who he is how he acts where he goes where he doesn't what he wants to do in the future what he doesn't so he would be one the second person would be max reisinger um as a young person connecting with a younger person is always going to be much easier i, I don't know how old um caleb simpson is maybe he's around 28 30 or so but uh max is 20 and so that this is something he actually put out a great video about i think it's like the ethics of skipping class I think was one of his videos and it was an unbelievable video. It's an amazing video. And it was like, it told a great message and he's an amazing filmmaker and a great storyteller. And so like, that would be something that I would give to anyone of my cousins or anyone that, um, that's young, that's asking, Hey, like, should I become a creator? Um, and then is there anyone else that comes to mind automatically? And maybe, maybe the, the last person would be um, someone you mentioned in the intro, Spencer Barbosa. One of the things that I really liked about Spencer, I think Spencer's 20 or 21, also super, super young, has like 9 million, 9 million on TikTok, has deep relationships and this and that, and has her own clothing line and doing unbelievable things at, at the right pace. Um, well, I don't know if she can control that pace, but um, doing it really thoughtfully. The thing that, uh, that sticks out to me about Spencer Barbosa is that when I spoke to her, and I asked, like, how'd you get started? Why'd you get started? Why were you doing this, like, female empowerment, like, confidence, body positivity thing? She goes, it was a way. She's like, I wanted to be more po more positive, and I wanted to be more confident, specifically, well, not positive, more, more confident. And so I just started to talk about confidence. And in the way of talking about confidence and essentially going back to the mentorship that we spoke about and, and teaching, she's like, by being the teacher, I actually received all the wisdom that I needed. And she's like, I wasn't confident for most of the time that I was talking about confidence. But then through this process, like I learned to become the master. And I think it was amazing. I, I don't even think she said it as advice, but I think it's, 
it is amazing advice that if you want to change the world, if you want to be something to someone, like start being that person. I think she talks about it as like fake it till you make it. And I think she says anything that's beautiful or anything that's um, iconic starts as something that's cringe. And so like has a lot of good messages and she's so young with it. And she's 20 or 21. She's achieved all of her dreams already. She's probably bringing in multiple millions. I'm guessing that I don't know for a fact. But you're 20, 21, what do you do? Like, you can go to any concert. You can meet the people you want to do. You have the clothing line. You have the relationship. You have the bob on and on and on and on. What do you do? And this is someone who's 20 or 21 that has this perspective, I think is unbelievable. So Max Reisinger, I'd go Spencer Barbosa. Um, I'd say Caleb Simpson because his rise right now is unbelievable, but there's a reason he's rising. He's put in all the work. It's like the four years you put in, like, uh, who's who said it? Um... It takes four years to become an overnight success or, so, or four overnight success happens in four years or something like that. And then there might be some other people sprinkled in. Someone maybe like Danny Miranda as a podcaster, someone that plays long-term games, long-term people, long-term focus, and has continuously showed that. Um, Tim Chisano as just a, he's like the mentor of the internet, I believe. Um, and so he's an amazing person to have on. Anyway, I, I feel like I'm recycling <laughs> the same people, but it, it shows who I love. It shows who, who I care for. Um, and I'm sure there's many, many others, but great question. And those are the people that I would say. Nice. What's next for you, man? Ooh, what is next for me? Um, I don't know, dude. I don't know what's next. Um, you know, hashtag paid is great to me. I get to support creators in the way that I do. I get to send them to dinners and put on podcasts with them and put on parties with them and send them to this and give them cool opportunities and also just gives me the scope to find and meet more of these creators that I've become insanely passionate about that again on podcasts, I can't stop talking about. So that's really cool. Um, but I'm a big fan of music on the side. And so trying to start a couple of side projects, one being called playlist storytellers, where, uh, I think there's a lot of storytelling missing in the music industry today or just in music in general. And so, or should I say from the fandom perspective, not from the artist perspective. Um, and so what it is, it's like an event that I run or a night I run every month or every two months where I bring 10 people together that love talking about music and love music in general. And everyone brings a story related to a life moment of theirs that's nostalgic to a song. Tell that story in front of the group and then we all listen to the song together. And it's just this really wholesome night around storytelling and music and new music and artists that mean something into, and feelings. So there's that stuff, which is cool. Um... And beyond that, I'm not sure. Maybe in, in a week, two weeks, three weeks, something else might pop up. For, but for the time, be, for the time being, um, enjoying where I'm at and trying to scheme on a couple things for the future. Nice. Well, Danny, I appreciate you uh, joining me. I appreciate your patience with a uh, couple of technical difficulties, but uh, we made it through. And thank you for helping me uh, salvage this podcast. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. I appreciate it. Always do not. And you, you, you asked some great questions. I really appreciate the questions where I was like, fuck, I don't know. Like, I kind of want to go to my phone and go to, and go to the, the creators I follow to answer. And so thank you for the thoughtful questions. Again, thank you for doing the research. Um, I can definitely tell in the questions asked. And this was a lot of fun.